Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. We have a guest. You're going to introduce him, remember his name? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Barry. <laughs> Nick Turner's visiting from L.A., and since we're going to talk a little L.A., he's the editor of the media, entertainment, what, what else you got under you, Nick? Sports. Well, we, yes. <laughs> Telecom. <laughs> Telecom, which is all part of sports these days. Casinos. Ooh, oh, definitely another. part of sports I these like days. I like Nick there already. Michael Barr's ears just perked yeah, up. He's like, what? <laughs> Yes. So what are we talking about first, Mr. Barr? Uh, well, let's start. Uh, first of all, Michael Jordan has agreed to sell a large piece of the Charlotte Hornets. Why? Well, the Hornets haven't been doing real well lately. So Michael figured, bring in some capital. First of all, he gets a little cash in his pocket. If he rolls it back into the team, he says he's hoping to upgrade the team, new technology, modernize. He wasn't specific. But... What I've said on this show many times is it's not enough to have cash anymore. If you want to be an LP in a team, it's not enough just to bring the cash because everybody brings cash. It helps if you bring a specific expertise in something that sports teams are looking for. That could be uh, real estate, could be finance, could be tech. If you look at the Golden State Warriors group, they've sort of created the model for what people are trying to follow. They did that entire arena without outside help. Everything they needed was in-house. That expertise was in-house. That's what other teams are trying to recreate. This is Gabe Plotkin, a founder of Melvin Capital, and Daniel Sundheim, a founder of DI Capital. Uh, so we, I, I don't think any of us really I don't know, know what their expertise is. Maybe they just bring the money. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, but it's funny. It comes at a time, you know, we talked last week a lot about, you know, minority stakes, especially in the NBA, and the things that the NBA is trying to do to make sales of stakes like this a little easier for its owners. I would have thought that a small market team like the Hornets might have been one of those teams that might you know might have some struggles to, to find someone who's willing to put up a significant chunk of cash, especially at a valuation, one point three billion, I think is what is what yeah. Forbes and Michael has bought in for about one hundred seventy five million from Bob Johnson, the BET founder. Right. Yeah, and he got that at a, yeah. at a huge right. Bob Johnson paid three hundred million to to start the franchise yeah, in two thousand four, and, yep. s- and six years later, Jordan buys in at at a significant significant discount. Um, so well, what it's we worked out know, well for Michael. So what we far. do know is Michael's keeping control for now. What we do not know that often come with these LP stakes is some sort of path con- to control, right. a right of first refusal. What kind of board seat? I'm guessing they have board seats, and I'm guessing they have some say in the franchise. Yeah, the Charlotte Observer who who broke the the story, they seem to imply that these were big stakes. So these could be. Yeah. These stakes could 49%, be yeah. it could be even more, right? I mean, as long as Michael has the biggest yeah. one and he is the one in charge, who knows how how big these stakes are? Yeah. May, may I ask Nick? Nobody asked your thoughts about this, man. He is revving up for the LA conversation. He's, but then, what do you think of Jordan selling a piece? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, he does seem to have the golden touch. I think. I mean, other than his um, his baseball career, but uh, yeah, it's it's. You remarkable. don't think two fourteen is golden? <laughs> 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 Whatever it was. It wasn't even that high. I don't even know if it was that high. I do know he bought the team a bus. The Birmingham, it was the Birmingham team, right? Barron's, right. was it? He bought he bought him a new bus. So he's always revered in the and, organization And he sold for that. that for a huge premium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody autograph it and sell the bus. <laughs> Perfect. So this is when now Nick is going to extremely shine on this show because we're going to now talk about uh, Stan Kroenke and the new arena in Los Angeles, new naming rights in the deal. Go ahead, Nick. I mean, it's, it's exciting. I think... Uh, you live there. I, I live in L.A. I've lived there about a year now. And the sports scene is a little bit funny. I mean, coming from New York, I don't encounter a lot of Rams fans, frankly. 
I'm yes. sure they're out there. Yet. <laughs> yeah. I, a ton of Dodgers fans. I see them every day, unfortunately. Uh, and then, What's uh, a, Is there any argument to me? You know how they still don't have full distribution? I know we're going mm-hmm. off topic here, but that's all right. It's still business of sport. It was supposed to hurt the Dodgers brand. <laughs> Nobody can watch them. They, they don't get the, the RSN. But it doesn't seem to me that the Dodger brand has been dampened in L.A. I don't think so. I mean, I, again, I you know, I guess you're, you're comparing it to what it could be. And who knows? Sort of a theoretical, but uh, yeah, it seems like it's it's pretty strong. That stadium, though, I mean, SoFi's pointing up. This is the most ever paid for a sports facility. So thirty million dollars, more than thirty million dollars annually over twenty years. Over twenty it's years. A, it's a long term. Worth it's... noting that the the CEO of SoFi is Anthony Noto, former CFO at the NFL. So there's a relationship there. But I want to know, how do you get ROI for 30 mil a year? I mean, we do know that they have some big events coming. You've got the Mm. Super Bowl. You've got the Olympics, which will not call it SoFi, but attention will still be on the facility. Yeah, I mean, it almost seems like a good brand. I mean, that's a huge amount of money and a huge gamble regardless. But at least that is a brand that we at Bloomberg see a lot, you know, just crossing uh, terminal headlines and things like that. But your Joe Blow public is probably going to get in front of his face much better than maybe other means. I mean, still a ton of money to spend. Doing so if, I, if yeah. I walk around L.A. and I say, what's SoFi? Do you know the company? What do you think there's, people would say? Is that a drink? Is that a what? Yeah. I mean, there's I, no brand awareness or some uh, brand yeah, awareness? I, I don't know. I mean, I should ask them if they're Rams fans first and then ask them this question, I guess. But uh, next time I'm And Chargers. Gonna, and Chargers. Yeah, Chargers. Sorry. Sorry. Char- I see. I don't even. Yeah. <laughs> hey. That was a uh, comment right guess there. Guess what? <laughs> the Lions beat them uh, yesterday. Oh, did, oh, the Lions? Oh, he's a Detroit yeah. Yes, they did. When, no. when we talk to, to marketing experts on the show, the, the typical refrain that they always say is that there's two kinds of spends in sports, right? There's the kind that just gets your name out there, more awareness, and there's the kind that actually draws customers to you. And oftentimes those are two very different things. It seems like the SoFi one is, is option A, right? It's a company that I don't think has a huge name recognition. This will get them that. Um, and also, you know, when we talked to State Farm last year when they announced an NBA and an NFL stadium kind of back-to-back and spent a lot of money on that, one of the things that they said is that, you know, advertising with the fractured media world, which, Nick, you know obviously a lot about, uh, it's just becoming harder. You know, people use Adblock now. We're not exactly sure where kids are, what's going to be popular, what isn't. Um, putting your name on a stadium for 20 years is a very permanent thing. You know, it can't be blocked out, maybe except for the Olympics when when, when they come there. Um, but, yeah, the, the, there's kind of a swing back to advertising like this because it's permanent, because people can drive by it, because every time the, the Chargers or the Rams play, it's going to be mentioned on TV. There's kind of a permanence to these kind of deals that, that a lot of advertising doesn't have right now. Not going to go by the way of Enron Field. No, yeah. <laughs> we, we should. Think. We don't think. We should also discuss the money real quick. I mean, thirty million dollars a year is. I mean, that's it's huge. It's a. It's a, essentially ten million dollars more than City Field. It's ten million dollars more than AT and T for it's the Cowboys. Yeah, Levi Stadium is about twenty million. J P Morgan Chase is paying for the entire portfolio of the MSG assets, and that includes the forum and mm. uh, that's other things than just MSG. Yeah. So that I mean that tells you right there the, sort of the scale and scope of what we're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah, but uh, before we move on, I'm going to go back to your first question is how do you get ROI on this? Because this uh, that's a lot of money. And yes, you can have the Super Bowl, but uh, there are going to be many other years after that. Yeah, and, and you're going to see college football Playoff games or bowl games or Pac-12 championship games, you're going to see, you know, a, a lot of concerts. SoFi will be able to bring entertain clients. There's a lot of things they're going to get, you know, outside of just the just the branding there. And finally, uh, we have to talk about this NASCAR. 
starting to steer away from firearm ads. Well, I don't think, let, I don't let's think be clear. It's, it's, it's not NASCAR idea. saying it's a gradual shift. NASCAR isn't saying anything. It's these third-party folks who look to sell and things like the NASCAR programs. Their feedback is right now is NASCAR is not accepting some of these firearm ads. And NASCAR is not saying anything. Barr, you're closer to the sport than anybody else sitting here. There seem to be synergies between what you would think to be gun ownership NASCAR fan base. Well, I mean, you have you know one of the sponsors for one of the series, uh, Gander Mountain, so you, you have that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm seeing is it's one thing when you're talking about hunting. You know, people go to Gander Mountain and they go get rifles and this and that, whatever. Uh, it depends now on what you're talking about. And I guess some people are upset because they think that this is going political. And I'm not – this is where it's going to get really sticky. Well, I think I think you make a good distinction there. And, and the, we can read exactly what this vendor, National Event Publication, said in their email to, to some of these advertisers. What they said is – uh, due to a gradual shift in NASCAR's position on guns, these ads may be edited and changed, especially those that are depicting the assault rifle sniper rifles. NASCAR is still open to some of the less controversial gun accessories, concealed carry, or classes. Uh, so I do think it does certainly at least seem from that note like there is a discrep- there is a line being drawn somewhere at NASCAR between assault-style weapons and traditional hunting weapons, which we're seeing, I mean, across companies all over the business world, right? I mean, Walmart, a a couple months ago after the El Paso shooting, they changed their policy. Dix has been on the forefront. I mean, they they took Hunt entirely out of 125 stores. I wouldn't be shocked if that grows even more as we move forward. You know, 145 CEOs put that, sent that letter to Congress last week. Uh, I think this distinction between assault weapons and other guns is something that we're going to see more and more in the corporate world. Well, keep in mind, too, uh, Richard Childress, who is a famous uh, owner in NASCAR. Even I know him. Yeah. See, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I know Richard Childress. Nick, that's very, that's very good that he knows for a change. But, it's <laughs> like, but he quit uh, the NRA as in an officer uh, uh, stance, uh, which was interesting. It just happened. He used to be uh, high up there with the NRA. Uh, obviously, the NRA does not approve of this. So I, I just I just wonder, again, this is just throwing it out there in the mix. Uh, NASCAR, and uh, it is a sport, and it has been associated uh, with the South for many years. So I just wonder where this is going. And, to go. and it continues to have a gun. Rela- I mean, the Texas Motor Speedway, Michael, right? That's the race where the winner grabs two pistols and shoots off blanks when he when right. he wins. Um, you know, there's a there's, and his value from Evan Novi Williams. The, oh, look at that. There's the Henry 180, which is sponsored by Henry Repeating Arms, which is a gun manufacturer. That's an Xfinity Series race. Uh, it does certainly seem as though there is a pre-existing and continuing relationship between NASCAR and guns. It just looks like they are trying to make some kind of distinction between it almost the, it almost sounds like the, some the, of the democrats gun mm. platform here almost like we're not trying to take your guns we're, we just don't think you need some kind of assault rifles or whatever the definition nick on the broader scale in media what are we seeing in terms of guns and advertising well i mean i think uh, evan laid it out pretty well in terms of uh, don't what, give him credit uh, <laughs> well, i mean you do have corporate america uh, taking a stance on this in a way that i don't think we've ever seen uh, and not just gun control but you know many issues now and it's, it's weird you have a, a situation where a, much of corporate america seems to have moved farther left than say i don't know the white house or the, you know the republican party and i don't recall seeing that before in my long distinguished career. <laughs> so I think uh, on this issue, obviously, they're trying to walk a line more than other 
companies or institutions are, but but uh, it seems like there's there's a, a desire to do something. And we should add that Michael Bloomberg, the founder and majority owner of Bloomberg LP, the parent of Bloomberg Radio, is a donor to groups that support gun control, including Every Town for Gun Safety. Nick, thank you, sir, for stopping oh, by it's and been great, chatting. Great to be here. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Soshnick and Evan Dovey Williams. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with Demora Smith, Executive Director of the NFLPA. He's got uh, some interesting negotiations coming up with, yep. the, uh, yeah. with the NFL. That'll Longer be a good season, one. shorter season. Yep. Gee, I wonder what we're going to talk about. With that. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online wherever you get your podcasts.